Oh wait, no, I, I got it, I got it, I got it. There we go. Great. There we go. There we go. It's uh, it's it, it's for the holidays. You know what I'm saying? Morning. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artist. I got my hot chocolate right here. I'm ready to celebrate our our holiday party. Gonna get a little little fun. Uh, I'm Hagen. Uh, I'm Dave. <laughs> I'm Adam. I'm Jackson. Are you guys a fan of hot chocolate? I know Hagen is. It's hot chocolate. It's, it's hot chocolate and peppermint schnapps. I don't have hot chocolate, but I, I have a mug I'm gonna drink whiskey out of. So <laughs> there you go. Every like, now and again, uh, you know, hot chocolate's nice. It's nice to yeah. Have well, a it was cup. not cold enough today for that. No, but it, it was just like it just, seventy degrees. It was nice out. It just fits the vibe, you know. It just fits the it fits it fits it fits the vibe for tonight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't bring a drink at all because I figured this is gonna be a long episode. I was like, I'm not even gonna you know open that opportunity for me to be uncomfortable while we're recording the last time that i had like hot chocolate with milk and it was terrible that was really bad that was the day before moniker went to the studio last and i had to do that super high harmony that was like very hard for me to do and the milk from the night before was still hitting my vocal cords I thought you were talking about the when we were recording with brack and um was that McKenzie's studio? Is that no, who that was? no, we were just me and Dave were just hung over that night. Yeah, that we were Dave. just very hungover. Yeah. Yeah. There that was weird vibes. Like we brought a, a you know your roommate Robbie, friend of the show. Uh, he came and was recording it because we were like, oh, it'd be cool to have some you know like B roll and stuff for promotion. And I remember thinking halfway through that uh, recording session, like I was like, none of this is usable. Everybody like Hagen passed <laughs> out at one point. We were all just like, it was really morose and weird. And I'm glad we haven't released that music yet because I think listening back to it, I keep thinking about like, yeah, there was like a rain cloud over that <laughs> session. It was weird. To be fair, Hagen passed out after he finished his drum parts. I was done. Yes. I was done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I, I was done and I was laying fair down. deserved at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Real hard. Yeah, I was hungover. I finished my drum parts. I laid down, and 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 I guess Dave was like reamping some bass parts. And I remember like just hearing how loud the bass was, and I was I was like, this is perfect to go to sleep to. Just the rumble of the bass helped. I'm me glad fall my bass lines bore you. <laughs> yeah, well, and there were no windows in the room. It was like it's like a cabin in a guy's backyard in Denton. So it was like very. It was a comfortable. Uh, like I would venture to say a warm feeling yeah. where we recorded, but it was also, if you already have that kind of like tired feeling, it definitely makes you feel like has any time passed? Have we been here forever? Am I in purgatory? So. And we, and we ate fast food for lunch. That was great. That was so good. I was pretty against that, but yeah, I loved yeah. it. All right. So welcome everybody to the 2020 holiday party. The uh, Don't Feed the Artist, the DFTA official company party. Uh, This is the year where I stopped sharing appetizers with people. So make sure if you're going over to the punch bowl, you go to the chips and queso, you let me have the first whack at it because if I see anybody else touch it, I will not eat it. That is my new thing that 2020 has given me, and I'm a bit worried I will never have chips and queso again unless I'm eating it alone, which is just a sad thought, eating chips and queso alone. It's a well, great two, thought. What's, two it's things. A fucking That's not great a sad thought. thought. Yeah, that, yeah. Why is that bad? You're okay, man. Just express yourself. <laughs> the other thing is, it would be it's a sad thought to bring your own chips and queso to a party and 
that's the there's the sad thought. That would be sad. But also I could see Jackson doing that. I don't think you'll ever see me bring chips and queso to a party. No. Um, he'll just, he'll bring his own Dr. Pepper to a party. Fuck yeah. And wine. Hashtag find the pepper. I still want to know if anyone that listens to this show tried that drink. <laughs> I hope not. I hope they stayed away. I hope they stayed so far. If you did try that drink, I'm so sorry. And I guess thank you for participating. <laughs> thank you for participating. Yeah, th- thanks for playing along at home. But also <laughs> sorry you did. Yeah. Big, big sorry. Big sorry. Yeah, so uh, just to lay out the ground rules of uh, tonight's events, uh, what we plan on doing is the four of us, we're each going to talk about our favorite album of the year. A lot of great music came out this year, and shockingly, good music, good video games. It was actually a pretty good year for uh, all types of entertainment release, and if anything, it was the right time for it, even if there's like a slow uh, release schedule for 2021. I think it was well worth it. And uh, what we're going to do, each of us is going to talk about our favorite album, then we'll kind of chat in between about some stuff we prepared, and then, you know, we'll wrap up the episode and uh, get the hell out of 2020 and right into shitty 2021, baby. Fuck Um, yeah, (laughs) let's go. And what better way to start our favorite albums with the most shocking album, the most shocking favorite album of the year? Dave, what was your favorite album this year? My favorite album was Good Luck with Whatever by the band Dawes. Gasp. I think it's an appropriate name for the year. Uh, For the record, they thought of that name before the pandemic hit. But yeah, it's a really good record. Uh, Taylor Goldsmith writes the songs for the band, and he just writes really... He's a great lyricist. He's great at writing melodies, and it really shows on this record. It's a couple of funny songs, a couple of real good upbeat ones, a couple of good ballads that I know at least two people on the show like. Hagen, <laughs> Hagen, Hagen and Jackson both told me they liked the song uh, uh, Didn't Fix Me. Didn't Didn't Fix Me is, is my favorite song on that album by far, but that album in general is just a great album. It's just a really, really great album. Uh, it, it, it just sits really nicely with you the whole way through. Even if, like, you're not, like, a super big fan of the music, if for some reason, like, your friends who are on a podcast with you force you to listen to this album, uh, <laughs> it, it, it at least sits with you kind of nice the whole way through, you know? I mean, I, I put in my notes that I hadn't listened to Dawes before, but now I get it. This is pretty good. Fuck Same yeah, Jackson dude. basically said, I texted Jackson through the week, and I was like, have you listened to it yet? Oh, no, I think you texted me and showed me... Uh, it was the all me. The next morning, the next morning after we recorded our last episode, you told us, okay, we all gave each other our favorite albums, so we made sure we listened to them. And the next morning, you were the only one who did it. So I, first thing I woke up at 6.30 a.m., I was like, oh, I guess I'll uh, just listen to this, you know, bright and early. So <laughs> there was no pulling teeth on that one. It, it's a very, um, the instrumentation, what, like, I always... You know, that's something if I can stick with that, even if there's parts I don't like about an album, uh, I know I can fall back on that, whether it's like a a really solid drummer, really solid bassist. But what I really liked about this, what even parts of this album where I was like, oh, this isn't for me. There was no parts of the album I disliked, but like the it had such a warm feeling. Um, I really don't know how to explain that. But I think if you listen to, you know, two or three songs from this album, you definitely get it. I will say that the title track I feel really weird about. I felt whenever I read that, good luck with whatever, I was like, oh, it's a, you know, 
kind of tongue in cheek thing. And when I was listening, I was like, oh, it's kind of a positive message. And then he was like, good luck with whatever. I really don't care. And I was like, whoa, that's oddly aggressive. I love Mr. that. You said Taylor's his name? Taylor Goldsmith. The opening line is, there's a man with a chainsaw standing out in my yard. He says he's just trimming trees, but he's trying real hard. <laughs> what got you into Dawes, Dave? Like, I, I would like to know. You can give it brief. This is your chance. I'm opening the floodgates. What brought you to Dawes? They have their, I would say, maybe their most popular song. Um, and I kind of stopped listening to it because I wore it out. But it was uh, All Your Favorite Bands. I forget where I heard it, but I just heard it somewhere. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to check out this band. And then they, they're... The record before this one, um, Passwords, I listened to that and I got really, the guy who produced it was the same guy that produced the last Alabama Shakes record. So I got into that and then I went, you know, I went back through their catalog. They have like, I think this is their seventh album, uh, Good Luck With Whatever. The thing that keeps me going with Dawes and I'm quite literally obsessed with the band is the one of the biggest things I think that's missing currently in music is a really strong melody, like a really strong vocal line, both on its own, if you were to just transcribe it on a guitar and uh, with how it fits with the lyrics. He's such a strong writer in that way. And then his drummer, or yeah, the drummer is his brother, and he plays really tastefully. And then yeah, the, everybody in the band are really good at their instruments. So basically, mm-hmm. in a nutshell, long story short, they're just great songs. And I, that's what really attracts me to the band. Is Do you know if uh, the lead singer is a Springsteen fan? Because there were songs on this album that I was listening to, and I was like, man, is that Bruce Springsteen singing right now? Like a young Springsteen? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, because he said that this is their Springsteen album. Um, he's big fans of all the great songwriters. I don't know if I would necessarily call Bruce Springsteen a great songwriter. In huh. that, like... Well, he's talking about, you know, uh, Towns Van Zant and Willie Nelson and uh, the Grateful Dead. Just, oh, you, yeah. What? Uh, well, I, I'll, say, I'll say that uh, I, I've told you this, but <laughs> the last two songs give me like mad Eagles vibes. Yeah. The last two that, songs are like they are they are especially with like the high harmonies, which are his brother, which is the drummer. So it's like, yes, this is exactly this is this is Eagles. This is the fucking Eagles right here. It's so good. Yeah, it's uh, Lee Pardini also sings backups. And yeah. we know Lee from uh, Theo Katzman's band. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's a new Dawes record. I will say for the record, my favorite Dawes release is uh, We're All Gonna Die. So if you're listening and you're curious about, like, should I get into Dawes, please start with that record. I would, I would say, I would say that, yeah, that's a good, a good record to start with. I think Passwords was the easiest thing to start with. I thought Passwords was so like, especially as like a rock fan. If you're if you're a rock fan, the first song is like it's a it's a weird riffy rock like that slow riff at the beginning of of, of that album. Very good stuff. Dawes is just yeah. a really cool band. They just they they really know how to like like I said make you feel good in the songs, but also like create an interesting environment around you the whole time. Yeah, I was I was really uh, really wanting to get a chance to see them this year but of course that didn't happen oh why not uh 2020 music was just weird we had a lot of things that were 
you know, probably going to happen and then just got totally side rail. Side I, think the next, I think the next bullet point on this thing says 2020 in music. Dude, that was going to be the smoothest segue we ever had. And then Hagen fucking ruined it. Okay, so while we're doing that, Adam, I want to know if you have any other thoughts about my favorite band. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to those other two albums that you all mentioned. Oh, cool. Because yeah. I, I liked it enough to where I want to hear more of it. This is a Christmas miracle. I'll probably do the same, Dave. I didn't do it this week because, you know, I had two other albums to listen to, or three other albums, but yeah, I'll probably do the same. I I would say it's not going to be what I'm listening to every week, so listeners don't have to worry about that, but (laughs) yeah, I think that joke dies with 2020. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know about that. (laughs) So smoothly, you know, biting off way more than we can chew. Let's talk about 2020 and music. So as we alluded to, live music, especially in the U.S., I assume worldwide, but live music has been non-existent since about mid-March, I would say, unless you're in New Zealand where they have been having uh, sporting events and even music festivals, which I guess the lineup is just Lord and Flight of the Concords, like which I don't know what a New Zealand music festival is like. <laughs> After not seeing a live band for uh, some some months, I would go to that show Friday and Saturday for a couple of weeks in a row. Absolutely. I mean, like, no, I'm not docking Lord or Flight of the Concords. I've seen Flight of the Concords twice, and they are hilarious, and they're actually solid musicians. Um, but yeah, obviously, music or live music has been just non-existent. And even in one of the honorable mentions we have later in the show, I was watching a live stream of an album release show and it it wasn't like a live, it, it was in October, this was live streamed. Mm. So there was no audience. And like, I just like, I kind of got choked up because I really liked the music, but then I also got choked up in the sense that I was like, holy shit, like, I just miss this, and like even we've played live shows as uh, our band Moniker, you know, once since the pandemic, and we yeah made we've sure played live show, yeah we it, we made sure it was an outdoor venue and all that stuff, and we made sure hey these are the things that need to happen if we're gonna do that, um, which it you know luckily the music venue was great to work with there, um, but it felt weird. It just felt weird. There yeah. was even situations where like people started kind of congregating and dancing because they're having a good time which normally i'm like hell yeah but halfway through the song i was super uncomfortable with it i was like holy shit like what do we do do we stop and i don't know it's a weird vibe the staff took care of that real quick though they did there was it started with one guy and i think they were kind of fine with that because he wasn't super close to the stage and then the staff were just great yeah they nailed it I, I played my last gig of 2020 this past weekend, and uh, it was, I mean, I, I, I like the place that I played at, and um, I, you know, there, there's a lot of good to be said about playing it, but, I mean, people are still just like, uh, there's a lot of things that I really want to say that I can't say because we're rec- the recording has started, uh, but, like, there's just a lot of stupid people that are still out there just not even trying and not even thinking and, uh, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like these are the like a lot of these stupid people really want live music to be back in full, but they don't even even if you don't like, you know, believe or respect like 
you know, even if you don't believe in the severity of COVID, which is fucking stupid in, it, in, in itself, but even if that's the case, <laughs> you tried to tiptoe around it and then you yeah, just burst through. <laughs> I know. Uh, even if that's the case, you like you wanting live music back, you need to respect the fucking process because we all want it back too. As fucking musicians who play live, and especially people who get paid to do so, we need it to return in full to make a living. So if you want it to be back for your own entertainment purposes, then step the fuck back, wear a fucking mask, and respect the process. Yeah, that's it's not that difficult to do, and some people just have a really hard time trying to understand how that works. I'll say that I what I what I didn't miss is that on my gig on my gig on Saturday there was a table uh like the way the stage worked is like it opened up to like the backyard and then there's a little side door that opens up to the restaurant so like on my left because I'm on a drum riser I can see the people in the restaurant really clearly and the table that was right next to us was talking shit the entire time about our performance and like side eyeing us and I was like man I don't miss that I don't miss that very like why are you sitting right here go sit anywhere yeah, else in the f- fucking I'm restaurant not a fucking animal in a zoo like I can tell <laughs> I'm a human being I can tell that you're talking about me get, like, get <laughs> fucked go away but you know my one of my favorite things is that. This year, I finally decided to do a month-by-month tally of the number of gigs I do so I could, you know, kind of reflect on it at the end of the year. And I have a note in my phone. It's like January, X amount of gigs. February, X amount of gigs. March, it doesn't say anything. And then there's, I didn't write down any other months. So I just like, (laughs) for the first time of my gigging career, I was like, let me, let me try to like feel good about my, (laughs) my situation by the end of the year. Uh, It sucked. (laughs) I just think it's really funny. And as a lot of musicians, you know, who weren't playing shows or, I mean, like, even, like, there's some musicians that are on a level that they couldn't even do a small show if they wanted because they're just too big, people would show up, that kind of thing. So a lot of musicians resorted to live streams, and I was super into a ton of live streams whenever we were first in, you know, quasi lockdown real quick you you this the live stream thing is really important but this is we're not doing news today but i have to talk about this because it's relevant to what we're talking about right now and this is about like in relation to live music and people who are too big did you guys see eric clapton and van morrison's song did you guys hear about this they released a song called stand stand and deliver which is against the coronavirus lockdown it's a song that's about (sighs) uh, that's it's totally against the lockdown and uh, like, so here, here's here's a snippet of lyrics. Do you want to be a free man or do you want to be a slave? Do you want to wear these chains until you're lying in the grave? No, they need to go to bed. <laughs> I think I think it's time for them to call it like hang up the boots and call it a day. Yeah. So I just I just wanted to 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 let like just even though we're not doing news or anything today, that was something that I had to like mention during 2020 in music. We still have musicians who make millions of dollars even without playing the shows i bet they made so much money this year even without playing any shows and i bet they still are sitting on a pile of money from just their past and they still are upset about all of this and they made a fucking song to bitch about the lockdown go fuck yourself buddy i mean i think the difference there is probably that they want to be the center of attention and nobody cares about them right now that's probably fair other things to care about yeah that's a good point yeah um So as I was uh, speaking about, uh, there was a lot of live streams that uh, took place and they're still to this day, but, uh, you know, I felt them dwindle significantly. But like, I remember like, um, uh, God, uh, Ben Gibbard, sorry, 
Ben Gibbard from Death Cat for Cutie was doing one daily, and then he went down to weekly, and I don't think he's doing them at all anymore. And then, but I was watching those like uh, those daily streams, and then I was uh, a band AJJ that I'm really into. The singer did it for I think it was like a hundred streams in a row. Uh, and I didn't watch all those, but it was really nice to just, and they were like 15 minute streams, but it was really nice to just know like, oh, if I want to listen to some AJJ, uh, you can go on there. And he, he was really receptive and talking to people. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff, but it was very much kind of a, I don't know what I would categorize it as, but like kind of, um, immediate gratification where as I would prefer, like I had tickets to see my chemical romance this year. And I would much rather wait to see them live actually in a venue just because of how exciting that would be for me as opposed to be like, well, I could live stream them uh, that same gig. Uh, so, you know, it was fun for a bit, but I definitely felt uh, like it had diminishing returns after a while, which like I'm not docking live streams at all. But I think as people, this became the new normal, I would say, is when they kind of lost steam it was really it was really cool to see you know when this all started to go down in march people in the music industry just have a brief moment of freaking out like okay well here we're gonna try to reschedule these shows for later in the year we're gonna you know whatever they had to do and then as soon as it looked like it was gonna get more serious that's when everybody was like all right let's start entertaining people who are stuck in their homes you know it had double meaning for them because they some of them could still ask for donations and some of them were donating to various causes <clears throat> to help out with what was going on, you know, the landscape of the United States and around the world. But it was just really cool to see how resilient the music industry can be. Yeah. There's a there was a couple of live streams that I was also watching pretty frequently, and then there were some that I like, you know, I, I paid for and stuff like that. I didn't pay for this one that I'm about to mention. Dance Gavin Dance did one this past weekend, which was their second time doing it, the Tree City sessions. And uh they shut down uh, the Sacramento Tower Bridge in California. They they stopped traffic and did a live stream from there this past weekend. Um, and so, like, I mean, people are still doing it, and it's it's like they're still finding interesting ways to make it fun. Um, uh, to bring up Jackson's favorite show, which is Scrubs, uh, <laughs> Joshua Raiden, who writes a bunch of songs for Scrubs, or who did. Um, he does a bunch of live streams still where you just like you pay x amount if you pay if you pay this amount he does one song for his like a zoom party it's like a it's it's a specific like zoom thing you can have as many people as you want to in the zoom and he doesn't really care you can just be you and like you and josh and you just pay him you know 50 bucks and he does a couple songs you pay him more he does a full set and a portion of that money always goes to charity that's awesome yeah that's great it's it's just awesome i love that stuff it's been such a silver lining in such a weird fucking year. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the final note that I had really for 2020 in music is that, you know, musicians have really had to be... I mean, musicians and creatives have always been crafty because they have to if they want to make enough money to either make ends meet or at least make their product while still, you know, doing their side hustle. Um, but... I would say that 2020 has really forced the hand of musicians to be more crafty than usual, like you were saying. Um, but there's a lot of examples of like, you know, Bandcamp Fridays happening. And then also like just today, I got an email from the Mountain Goats 
um, I'm on their email list and like all of their store was 40% off. And like, I think most people would see that and be like, oh, fuck yeah, that's super awesome. Now I can get all their records for 40% off. My immediate thought was, oh shit, man. Like, I guess they really are like scraping the bottom of the barrel of their like funds, what they had saved up. And then most people, most musicians, even high musicians, like, you know, like top level musicians don't have a year uh, of their uh, expenses in the bank. Just email them back and let them know that, you know, $600 is coming their way. That'll save everything. Last time we gave people too much money. Yeah. I still have so much ramen. Yeah. but uh, And then another thing people were doing, uh, and this is more of a newsworthy thing, is uh, there's a lot of people, and of course this hasn't been said that this is why they're doing it, but it's got to be a portion of it, is there's a lot of musicians who are selling the rights to their music. Most famously, uh, Bob Dylan just sold all of the rights to his whole catalog. Stephen Nicks did it, and there are tons of others. Um, uh, I think it's uh, Stephen Nash or something like that. Um, God, I always forget those guys' names. Uh, Scooter Braun sold Taylor Swift's. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Well, I mean, if some of those, like Bob Dylan selling his like basically entire archive right some of that feels like it's kind of a like not retirement but like looking at the end of his career and being like this is what i can sell now and if i make anything else then great it's mine absolutely so absolutely that guy's like 76 300 million dollars like i mean i think a lot of so a lot of these people do this kind of thing you know in their golden years for obviously you know they've worked hard for it they deserve to uh you know reap what they've sown but uh also there's a lot of worries like you know the marvin gay estate has always been an issue so there's a lot of people like i'm sure bob dylan is worried about that kind of thing of what that would look like after he's gone and so right, yeah. getting ahead of that and i say all this and i know i'm gonna lose my shit when blown in the wind is playing during a nike's commercial right yeah that's what i was gonna say is that where is it getting sold to because a lot of the stuff that's like i mean like we, we we hear a lot more like mainstream popular music in TV and movies in the past you know ten fifteen years than we did before because um, just it's just a lot easier to get access to it so especially if it's being sold to to specific places I mean we're definitely gonna hear it in a lot more movies and television commercials now yeah it just yeah. depends on what that deal was and if he has any yeah. say in it in the you know short term future yeah. Yeah, I want to know what the stipulations of that deal were, but also I want to know with that three hundred million dollars, what uh, what his most extravagant purchase will be. What I love is part of that three hundred million dollar purchase is not only his whole catalog, but you guys may not know this, but he owns the um, credits, or he didn't write or perform on this song, but he also owns the rights to um, the weight by the band. So oh, that was uh, included in that purchase because he had purchased it previously. Interesting. Um, and by the way, who I was mentioning earlier was David Crosby. My bad. Mm. I'm really bad at remember remembering the first names of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. So mm. my bad. But he, um, David Crosby has come out and said, yeah, I'm thinking about selling my rights to my music too because I can't pay my bills. I can't play... Like, I can't do my job, so I really need to make some money so I can pay my mortgage. And so 
Uh, the likes of Stevie Nicks and Bob Dylan have been pretty silent on uh, them selling the rights to their music, but part of me has to think that's probably some of it. I mean, it, yeah, it's certainly not a factor. Like, I'm sure they thought about it like, you know, what if this goes on for a couple of years? Then, then maybe they do need the money, so sell now before companies decide it's not worth paying as much for your back catalog. Yeah. So... That's been about 2020 in music uh, for me. I mean, we could talk about it all day, but it's just, it's the elephant in the room, and I hope it's not the elephant in the room forever. But any final thoughts on that before I go into my favorite album? I, f- I really feel bad and f- and hope that everyone in the, you know, that, that puts stages together and some of the, a lot of the venue owners and, just people that aren't performing musicians they i think they got hit the hardest in a lot of circumstances so yeah i hope that they're you know we talked about green day getting part of the uh the stimulus package last time and i think it went towards their crew and i I also remember metallica being a part of that i still think that the bands themselves have enough of a net worth to do that on their own and they don't need government assistance and that sucks but i hope in the end that their crew which I'm sure that have been with them for a long time are being taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, I, I feel that I feel for that. And I also, uh, you know, I think that to, to maybe again, just reiterate how we can be resilient in these times as, as, as artists and everything. I mean, not only, you know, not, not only is there like, you know, the band camp Fridays and all that sort of stuff, but um, like a lot of musicians who weren't teaching lessons turned to lessons and um you know we figured out as a as a group how to do online lessons even better and even better and even better as the years gone on so i mean there's there's constantly things that are coming up for musicians to try and do to still make money but again i reiterate what i said earlier if you want live music back as a music enjoyer then please help us <laughs> please do the things that are be, that are being asked of you and then we can be back and uh you know, everybody can make their money and you can enjoy live music. Yeah, even for just a couple of months until the the vaccine is readily available to the average person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will move into my favorite album of 2020. It was very hard for me to pick. Um, Well, it wasn't hard for me to pick my favorite album, but there have been so many good albums that came out this year. But I don't think it's any surprise because I've said it over and over again, but Moses Sumney's gray which was a double album that he released in two parts this year uh the first part was in february late february so it really is weird that it was released uh kind of in one world and then the second part was released in a whole different world um i was lucky enough to get the uh, vinyl copy of it which has a super cool uh layout that i'll show you guys uh but the i i just kind of wrote down my thoughts on this um so this album has like really accessible tracks in uh songs like cut me and varial and uh which is a word that i had to look up how to pronounce today because i was like if i'm gonna have to talk about that song i need to know how to pronounce it and i'm sure i just said it wrong anyways uh but then there's even these powerful spoken word passages that both have their finger on the pulse but also will stay relevant in their message for years to come of what they're saying. 
And then there's these really soft moments in tracks like Me in 20 Years and Polly, which is the closing track of the first part. And it's just beautiful. There's an amazing music video of him just uh, listening to the song and crying. And I was like, I can't get that emotion out of my head every time I hear that song. But for me, I think that this album truly uh, has shown that Moses Sumney is a powerful force in music. He is just one of those pitchfork sweethearts. And what this album really, for me, was it, it has the ability to wash over the casual listener for someone who just listens to music but doesn't really, you know, actually analytically take apart like the harmonies and everything. But it also rewards those who pay attention to those uh, intricate parts and of course i'd be remiss to uh, not tell you it's one of those albums that just has so many great artists on it it has thundercat on bass on a lot of the tracks and then um jill scott was on jill and jack there is uh john congleton works on it a lot uh ezra miller was on it which is just weird and we don't even need to address that i was i was i was gonna say exactly that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then James Blake is like probably the biggest name other than Thundercat on here, which apparently him and James Blake are great friends, and also Moses Sumney and Sufjan Stevens are great friends. But uh, definitely my album of the year. It was a kind of a hard pick because there was so much good stuff coming out, but in the end, it was just incredible to listen to. And uh, man, it I love it. It's it it's twenty songs. And um, I forgot that it was a kind of a double release. I think that's a very smart move. Um, <clears throat> I didn't research too much about it, so I don't know if that was the reason why Moses Sumney released it in two parts. But uh, whatever it was, that was a smart, smart move. Because it's a really, and I say this with no positivity or negativity, it's a really dense listen. There's so much in it to, to, to take in. And I found also, and I was really excited about this, it's it's not a driving album. It's not a workout album. It's a sit down. If you have vinyl, get it on vinyl. If you don't, just put it on Spotify, get some good headphones, and really just relax and listen to it because there's a lot of different textures. The string The string parts on this record are just beautiful. His voice is so, he has so much range in his voice. Uh, my fiance said that he sounds like, if D'Angelo and Tom York had a love child, <laughs> this is what what would come out. I mean, that's just really well done. It's also, I, I brought out the physical copy just to show you all real quick. And for the listeners, I'll try to describe it. But if you see right there, that's a bunch of broken letters and whatnot uh, on the uh, like centerfold of the lyric sheet. And then it came with this little laminate that has the rest of the broken letters. So if you just overlay it, it's hard for me to show you all on screen, but if you overlay it, it completely finishes it. And it's a poem that he kind of wrote uh, that describes the whole thought process behind the album. And it's just super cool. The packaging of the vinyl, I don't know what it looks like otherwise outside of the vinyl, but some of the coolest packaging I've seen in years. So it definitely, it's one of those purchases where you're like, ah, I don't want to pay 30 bucks for the vinyl. It pays off and it's not just, you know, black vinyl. It has a really cool textures on it. Uh, but I'd be interested to hear what uh, Hagen and Adam thought of the record. Uh, I agree. It was a very thick listen. It uh, 
it's not it's not yeah, a there's good a or, band name <laughs> it's not it's not it's not a good or bad thing you know it just it was it was uh, a lot to take in and um i i i didn't it's hard for me to say that i uh really really loved it but i also couldn't say that i didn't like it at all i thought it was a good album um i i think that maybe there were just uh too many ups and downs for me to like really take the whole thing in uh properly i had to i i I took a break and i think i might have coincidentally taken a break during the the split um i don't know if i did or not but i i it was like right around the middle that i took a break um but yeah i i i really i i did enjoy it and i do want to listen to it again um but it definitely it was it was a thick a thick boy took me it took it it took a lot a lot out of me to like really enjoy the whole thing um i think that the one thing i'll disagree with you is that there's only like a couple of songs that casual listeners can enjoy i think that i think that's a it's a hard album for casual listeners i think there's a couple of songs that work really well for casuals so one thing i want to say is uh i would i would really challenge our listeners if you're not um a super big intimate music listener like you don't set time aside to do it it's really this is one of those albums that is a good example of something you should listen to five or six times you know and really sink your teeth into it and it'll open up the more time you put into it the more enjoyment you'll get from listening to it yeah it's but it's hard to do that these days because a lot of the albums we get i've you know it makes me think of harry styles's first release as a solo artist the first listen to that was immediately really good and by the sixth listen, I was like, I'm tired of this. So some albums I hear, I don't like them on the first listen. And then if I give them another chance, I like it a little more. And they start to open up. It's really rewarding when you do that. Yeah, yeah. Adam, what do you think? Uh, so I, I wish I'd thought about this before now, but I should have listened to part one and part two separately just to see how different that is. Because it all works really well together. I really enjoyed the album. I kind of figured I would from Jackson talking about it before and it makes a lot of sense why this is up on the top of people's lists for this year. Like it's on a, a fair amount of like top 10 and top albums of the year lists and it makes sense. Uh, the whole thing is great. I think the track listing is a little intimidating because you just see it looks like it's a very long album. It's, it is long, but it's not like offensively long or anything no. like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 20 true. tracks and it's just over an hour. But there are yeah. some tracks that are kind of just part of the album as a whole that are less than a minute that don't really add to that that length um, and help it you know work as a full album all the way through. Um, yeah, I, I think it was pretty great. I was surprised to like it as much as I did on the first listen. Jackson, I'll ask you the same question. How did you get into Moses Sumney? Uh Last year, uh, my... You know, my girlfriend just, I, I don't even remember the circumstances of it, but I think it was just one of those like passing comments of like, hey, have you ever listened to Moses Sumney? And I was like, no, I haven't. And then at work the next day, I checked out his first record, A Romanticism, which is another just like almost a 10 out of 10 for me. And I just fell in love with it. He has all these beautiful elements of like singer songwriter, but like there was even one uh, track on that record where I was like, damn, this is like Radiohead right here, but it didn't feel like really cheap, uh, uh, like ripoff of Radiohead. And I think I may be wrong on this, but I think he even opened up for Radiohead and I know he's friends with Ed O'Brien. So it's just one of those things where he's 
for me, not an artist artist, but for me, it's close to that. It feels like, and I've just like, I've fallen head over heels for him. He's just one of those like artists. Like I just, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm so excited to see what he does for his whole career. And I'm glad that I kind of got in at the ground floor and we'll be able to see what happens. Um, he's, he's definitely carving out his own space, which I think is increasingly more rare. Yeah. Yeah. And everything he does is really interesting on the, he's mainly a guitarist and singer. So like, it's really easy for me to relate to that. And I definitely going into this, I was like, Hagen's going to hate this record. And I, for the exact reasons he said, so like no shock there. Uh, I think this went exactly how I expected. Uh, but I, I will agree with Hagen. It is definitely, it does hold you at arm's distance, but those, I will say that those uh, accessible songs are within the first four songs. So if you get through those first four songs and you're like, this isn't for me, yeah, you're probably not going to like the album. Yeah, I, but, I yeah. think you'll know pretty quickly if you want to keep listening to the full hour. Yeah. yeah. But I can't stress it enough. The better quality listening equipment you have on your side when you're trying to hear this record, the more you'll you'll thank yourself. Yeah, and I've definitely had the benefit of listening to this record since February. So for me, right. for you guys, y'all just probably all listened to it this week and haven't heard anything from it. For me, it's been since February and I just like head over heels for it. I love it. And uh, well, I mean, that's what, that's why I say it's not a driving album because I like, you know, whenever you mention it on the show, I try to, if I'm driving to a gig at the start of the year, I remember trying to listen to it and just like, yeah, this is not a driving record. You need to, I need to hear this. It's yeah. not an album that I could tell you like, hey, Adam, you need to listen to Cut Me and uh, then you'll get Moses Sumney. I think right. you may right. like the song, but you don't really get the full picture of what it is, which is a lot to ask of people. But also in this year, when you have so much extra time, it kind of worked in its favor for me, uh, where the second half of the album, I may not have given the same uh, you know, benefit of the doubt. And I really, I love it. But yeah, you can, you could fit it in between your walk from the bedroom to the couch. Yeah. yeah. You know, stop in the kitchen and listen to this record. Yeah. Um, with that, we'll move into what 2020 was like for the podcast. Um, it was ass. It was ass. <laughs> it was big old ass. For me, I think I would really just say that I think for 2020, what I've seen for the podcast, I mean, we used to do this in person, all four of us. I don't think we've done a single episode in 2020 in person. I think it's really shown that we can easily do this, whether or not the four of us are in the same room or even in the same city. So for when I moved to Dallas at the beginning of this year, there was a bit of paranoia brewing in me of like, man, did I just kill the podcast? No, because uh, the, prob- the, the problem was that everybody was asking you like, Oh, is Moniker done then? Is Moniker over? And is the podcast done? Because you moved to Dallas. People were asking you that nonstop. It's fucked up. Yeah. And the idea yeah. of the funny thing is that this is the most productive year the podcast has had and the most productive year Moniker <laughs> yeah. has had. <laughs> Turns out people have been doing podcasts over the internet for like 15 years. Who knew? Crazy. It's wild. Honestly. I when I, I honestly, I hold this very close to me for this year because a lot of times this was one of the things I had to look forward to. I really and truly enjoyed spending so much time with you guys this year researching music and like talking about it uh even if I'm, I'm really thankful that people listen to us i'm very thankful for the listeners but i'm really thankful for you guys because it was something to do when you know hagan and i a good portion of our income up to this point comes from from playing live shows and when that gets dropped out from under you it's like okay where do we put that energy it has to go somewhere yeah 
yeah, I would say that I would say that yeah, I I, I was thinking about you know doing like how, how we did the podcast remote anyway when there were times where like there was like potential tours on the table and stuff like that because you know I, I wanted to continue it and of course it makes sense we we can do it not in the same room or in the same city but I think that I I totally agree this was like such a thing that was just nice during the week to just do it was like you know even if it was a a topic that we had to do a lot of work for or even if i mean there were times where i didn't do any work for any of the topics and it was just fun to just chat you know right um so i think i think that it was it it was really nice for us um i i i and and I, i really i really appreciate and love people that listen to us and that goes to you too mom thank you (laughs) <laughs> yeah thanks wow. Hagen's mom. hot take Hagen loves his mom yeah I, <laughs> I remember when we were at those earlier deep dives where it was obviously just us listening to the music we like aka listening to what Jackson said we should listen to but like the My Chemical Romance episode I remember I was just like that was my highlight of that week that was early on in uh, lockdown and just like I remember listening to those albums just religiously that week blaring them out loud and just singing because I was like, man, I'm fucking stuck indoors. I remember when I used to fucking love this music as a kid. So, I mean, this has been such an escape for me. Not that it wasn't prior to that, but man, like I don't see it ever going back to that feeling of like, well, I got to do the podcast this week. I think I am now permanently in that foothold of like two years down the line. Hopefully everything's back to somewhat normal. Uh, I will still have that feeling of like, yeah, I'm excited to do the podcast. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, a lot of times, depending on the episode, we put a lot of research into certain things. For me, in particular, when I, I get, like, I can remember pockets of time for each episode because of this pandemic. Um, the My Chemical Romance episode, it was like, how many interviews and documentaries can I watch? And we were talking back and forth about which ones are good ones and ingesting so much information. The coolest part is having like you mentioned, Jackson, the free time to give that brain space to preparing for an episode where before the pandemic, it might've been like, aside from some of the deep dives, we're getting together to do the episode because we try to be consistent with it. So I don't have as much time. It almost feels like you're cramming for a test versus, you know, really enjoying the class you're taking. (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. I, I, I definitely think that it's, uh, it, I agree that like there were plenty of times I was like cramming to figure shit out, but I I also think that and I mean like I'm scrolling back through my notes right now just looking at all the deep dives we've done and it's like there were so many you know really pleasantly surprising ones and super fun ones and and also like really shitty ones from the perspective of us as listeners and then like I mean it like you know everyone hated doing the Metallica one but I think that's funny that we hated doing it you know I I I love I love when we can we can all come together and just like shit on something hard that's always fun that's always good that's always a good time yeah it's yeah it's just fun i don't know i mean i I, you know i think about the many pages and pages and pages and pages of notes we all have (laughs) right yeah exactly (laughs) well and compared to last year even without the um the deep dive episodes we've done more episodes just on topics whereas i mean in the past we've had interviews but we've also done topic episodes and we've still done more even the only weird thing is when we decide to do it in person again, we're going to have a lot of weird pauses because we don't know how to talk to each other in real life anymore. <laughs> I still don't think we know how to talk to each other over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> we're figuring it out. <laughs> we're we're going to be figuring it out until it's like, yeah, we can be in the same room again. Like, dude, ah, talk shit. about, dude, I had to learn, I had to 
do so much learning when we first started doing these episodes and here it's just like i didn't know how to use the microphone i did like i had trouble recording things yeah that's true you didn't have a microphone for a while or at least not the one you use now because you had to come and get it the yeah i had to come borrow from you the first i think the first episode we did I didn't have a microphone and then when i got this one i didn't know what i was doing with it but then i actually sat down and like spent time figuring out how to you know eq a microphone for a podcast and how to set it the right settings on it it's just is a lot of cool stuff yeah it's been a it's been a really fun year and with that i think it's time for uh hagen you to go into your favorite record and i would implore you to say the full album title because when you sent this in our text you sent an abridged <laughs> version and I kind of got mad when I saw that it was a way longer title. And I was like, I feel like he buried the lead there. That is a different album title. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, Theo Katzman's album, Modern Johnny Sings, Songs in the Age of Vibe. And somewhere on the album, it says uh, 10 Good Songs, um, which uh, which he advertises like the original as part of the original album title as well. Uh, There's 12 songs on here. It's yeah, exactly. It's well, hilarious. But, you know, only ten of them are good. He's <laughs> yeah. not making promises he can't keep. Exactly, it's great. There's only ten good songs. Um, so uh, Theo Katzman's "Modern Johnny Sings." Uh, I this album came out at the very beginning of the year in January, like within the first week or so. And uh, I, I I think I probably jokingly said at some point like this is this is album of the year. But uh, I you know for me at least, um, I didn't think it actually would be. Uh, but I looked back at all the albums that I loved this year and this one stuck with me the most. Um, Theo is, uh, one of my favorite singers and musicians I've ever heard in my entire life. He was the last live show that I saw as well. Um, that was fun. Yeah. Amazing. He, he has this way about him and his songwriting that can be like playful and goofy, but, uh, his voice just gra- grabs you immediately. Uh, on a personal level for me, he is a drummer first. Um, he went to school for that. And when he was hired to, or when he, when he was asked to be in Wolfpack, which is the band that everyone knows him from, he was asked to be the drummer. And then he kind of started singing around them. And the main guy tried to get him to sing more. And he was kind of like hesitant about it. And then eventually he started singing a bunch in Wolfpack. And uh, then his solo stuff started coming out more. And that, you know, I think that his solo stuff just, I mean, honestly, for me, the Wolfpack stuff where he sings, it ends up being my favorite stuff anyway. That ends up being my favorite Wolfpack songs. And he's a really good guitar player. This is, yeah, this is the other thing too about his voice is that like when you watch him live and he's playing a guitar solo, it's a great solo, but he's singing it too. He sings in the microphone with his great voice while he's playing all the guitar solos. Um, so it, he's just an absolutely incredible musician um, to go back to kind of what Dave was saying about Dawes. I, I really, I really think that with Theo, it's the same kind of thing. These are just, just good songs. I mean, like there's, there, there's some frill. There's some, there's some like crazy weird music stuff in there, but there's also like moments that are solos that aren't meant to be impactful because they're like a solo, but because it's a moment, it's something which just like something hits you. Um, and yeah, I, I, I still, there's the song Darling Don't Be Late on there. Every time it starts, I still start to just like, even now I listen to it today and I was just like, I still feel like I'm going to cry. Like, it's just such an emotional song. Yeah. And that was, there was something whenever uh, I was like, I know that name, Theo Katzman. That sounds super familiar. And then I looked it up and I saw it was from uh, Wolfpack. And uh, I don't know if I've said it on here, but I, I'm not really a fan of that 
style of music and it feels like a lot of musicians are getting really into that kind of stuff right now i'm not saying it's bad it just i knew it wasn't for me and i immediately regretted looking that up because i was like shit i have just tainted my first uh listen to this album i was really worried i was going to get into it and it was just going to be super busy for the sake of being busy and all that kind of stuff and then i got into it and i was like oh shit no there is really cool stuff happening in the background, but the way it's recorded, the way it's mixed, and probably the way it was just even written, it didn't feel like, hey, now we're doing a weird time signature, and oh, here's a really cool fucking solo. It felt like, hey, it's there if you want to listen to it, but it's not taken away from the fact that this is these are songs uh, written by someone, and it's not you know a bunch of musicians showing off that they can play. And I was super relieved to hear that. And I definitely, like, same feeling of, like, uh, Fog in the Mirror was probably my favorite track. And it felt just very, it it was very emotional for, you know, especially when you, right before that, you had this song that felt really cringeworthy for me, the Like a Woman Scorned. Yeah, yeah. And then you go straight into that, and I was just like, oh, shit, this guy, you know, he has emotions. Yeah. What was what was cringy about like a woman scoring for yeah, you? Yeah, because that song has the best lyric on that record for my money. When he talks, he says, "Grab him by the you'll see." I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think it's sloganeering, but I feel like songs like that coming from white men feel sloganeering to me. And I just like, even if that's not the case, it's very hard for me to listen to it when I look at the guy on the record jacket and hear a song of him talking about like. You know, like, oh, we treat women terribly and like, I don't want to be a billionaire. You could be president, all that kind of stuff. And it felt it felt uncomfortable to me. And I think that's just modern context. That's not his fault, I don't think. Do you think if you heard this record in 2017 that you might feel different about it? Like, has the year that we've had influenced your perception of it? I don't know. Well, I I'll really say- don't know. I'll say so. This album and his album before it, Heartbreak Hits, uh, they're they're both not concept albums, but they have like an idea or like in this case, he has a character, which is Modern Johnny. So he wrote the songs as a character, Modern Johnny, who has this like this take about the world. Um, so I don't know if that helps anything for anybody. It doesn't really change anything for me. Um, but that that is because everyone kept asking him, "Who's Modern Johnny?" It's like. It's just it's just a just a character I have to like have a have an opinion about this. Let me backtrack on what I was saying. It's not sloganeering. I apologize for saying that. I'm not going to edit it out. But uh, what I feel like, and it, it was like this at um, the Jack White show. Adam and I went to. Uh, there was a song where Jack White said something about like, "and God's a girl," something like that, where it felt very much like. Man, you just put that in there to be like, oh, like an edgelord type sure. sense. And I felt like, man, this is the song that at the show, as soon as he says something like that, everybody screams. And I was like, yeah, it feels like shock value more than it is quality uh, of what he's saying. I'll be like, I'll, like with, with Theo fans, majority of them are Wolfpack fans, and they're not listening for lyrics most of the time. So right. like during during Like a Woman Scorned Live, I was expecting the you'll see moment to be huge, and it was not. 
Um, yeah, it was just you and I yelling in the back. It of was the room. yeah, it was literally just me and Dave, only <laughs> us yelling during that lyric. Three tall cans in, just like you'll see. <laughs> um, and I totally get it because like there's only a couple songs, only at least there's four songs, maybe five songs that have this like political edge to them that are really weird. And those are the first songs he released, and he released them like as an EP before the album came out, and was uh, like, that, "This is that makes sense because I, I thought those felt really out of place on the yeah." Album. And he was like, he kind of was like, this was an accident. This wasn't meant to happen the way that it did, but I just wrote these songs and then I released them this way. And now this is an EP and they'll also be on the album, but the album is a different thing. Um, But it still was from the perspective of this modern Johnny character. Uh, But yeah, like it it, it definitely is weird. Um, I'll, I'll say that once I, once I listened to the album a fuck ton, I didn't start the album on the first song. I let, I started the album on the second song because the death of us is like one of my one of my favorite songs on the album, and also you know you could be president is a fun song like musically, but you get I agree there's points where you can get tired of of the like it's like it is kind of edge lordy in a way I I totally get it I understand that Adam what do you think I was gonna say you mentioned this album's kind of fun I think that was like my key takeaway is this album is a lot of fun to listen to. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've never really got into Wolfpack, but now I listen to their stuff after this, and I also really like that now. So I don't know what changed, but oh yeah, it's watch the Madison so Square fun. Garden show if you want to get into Wolfpack. In terms of fun, though, in terms of fun for Theo, he does have the most fun with Wolfpack. If you like, in in, in the just because the music is like quote unquote more fun, uh, but Heartbreak Hits that album is him trying to write fun pop songs that are about heartbreak. And so it's like, it's not pop songs. It's like the way that Theo writes. Right. Um, but it's like the whole way you're just like, oh man, this is, a, I'm, I'm bouncing up and down. And then like you listen to a lyric and you're like, oh man, that's upsetting, but I'm still yeah. bouncing up and down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's great. This album, this album will forever be one of my favorite albums probably to ever come out. Um, I think again, uh, from a personal level, he just, he, it's, it's, the, it's the same attraction that I have to Dave Grohl right? It's the same concept. It's these drummers who sing and write. And it's something that I have never felt like comfortable putting my voice into because I, I, for whatever reason, right? I just have a harder time using my voice in that way. Um, I don't trust the lyrics I write, but I really like people like Theo and Dave Grawl put it in this way where it's like as drummers and guitar players and singers, you can do, you can do it and not be a flashy player or not be a uh, 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 too simple of a player or whatever. And you can just say what you think and uh, it can still have a major impact. Yeah. I think, you know, I, like you were saying, it was the last show you saw before, um, before all this started happening. I would love to hear a band like that in 2021 where um, we get to hear them play their first show or something like that yeah. back after the corner. Cause I think was, did we see the last show on the tour? No, no, they still had some more dates. They finished. They, they had to cancel the last like three dates. Cause he was going to be, right. he was supposed to be touring for like a month and a half. Um, yeah. Oh, and Trevor and Trevor Meaner, a uh, Minear, sorry, was the other, the live guitar player from Dawes was also on that. And, show. and Lee Pardini, who is the piano player yeah. for uh, Dawes is the same piano player for Theo. Um, which is a crazy weird coincidence, um, but yeah, it's uh, just just insane. Just just sometimes it's nothing like how simple and good and fun those songs can be, and also they can make you feel. Great album. Yeah. Well, Dave, you talked about music 
in 2021 and that's our next topic is what do we think the world again i was trying to segue yeah well we're not gonna let you do that i'm gonna (laughs) mention what bullet points i have i'm here Um, to fuck shit up (laughs) so i mean i i have no idea what 2021 will look like just in general but for music i i mean personally i mean there's there's really two things for me uh will there be any live music and will there be less releases just because people can't you know support it will there be live music if there's any semblance of live music like an actual like large productions is what i'm talking about not stuff on like our band's level um i don't see that happening and if it does happen it's going to be like the last quarter of the year it's going to be like october through december if at all i don't see it happening but that's when i would see that um as far as like smaller bands like us yeah i could see that kind of starting to happen maybe midway through the year but even then i'm not confident on that i just like i don't think even me as an avid concert goer like that's my thing i love going to shows i could not if my favorite band was here tomorrow or even six months from now i doubt i would go just because of my comfort level so i don't really know if that is a kind of indicator or not i was i was thinking about this today uh because joe rogan and dave Chappelle um are doing some shows at a place in austin called stubs where they have rapid testing at the door and it's uh, reserved seating and you have to wear a mask if you're in the audience the whole time. So what that made me think of is the fact that we are on the cusp of, of, of the vaccine being widely distributed. Um, I think that'll happen faster as the months go by, but also we kind of have a bit of a understanding of what this virus does. So I think we're way more equipped today and for the next couple of months than we were for the previous nine months um i think you'll you'll be able to go to a concert if you want to say yeah, i think next summer especially because yeah. being outdoors helps a lot i and think now that we know that pretty much for sure compared to over summer it was like a speculation kind of thing yeah drive-through shows are yeah. a big thing comedians really are capitalizing on it because they're in the same industry as we are and they've been able to do drive-in shows and have that work. Uh, I think it's yeah. a viable option. Yeah. I, I do want to point out, though, one of the things, Joe Rogan doesn't think masks are good, but then requires them at his shows. And so I think that's kind of bullshit. But Joe Rogan does think masks are good. Mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's argue, Adam. Let's, let's you and I have an argument right now. Uh, he, are you referring to the Bill Burr? Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to rile Bill Burr up. Uh, I don't I don't believe that. But, okay. Yeah. Maybe his opinion on it. Maybe his opinion of it has changed, and that would be great if it has, because his audience is big. Even though he's moved to Spotify now, where that's probably less big of an audience. Uh, but, I've, I've totally stopped watching him since he moved away from YouTube. But yeah, I think I, like I think that's his, a lot of people. The uh, really what his stance was is that he just didn't like the restrictions that were being put on in California, and I mean, he does, I get it, but he's at the fine same time, with masks. I, I think it's funny that he doesn't like the restrictions, then he likes his restrictions when he can put them in place. It's just, it's a weird, like, level of that to I'll it. I'll say so. that, like, all the fucking Californians who are, like, pissed off about the restrictions, it's like, this, the restrictions exist for a reason, you know? Like, hey, Elon, I get that you're real fucking smart, but, like, you gotta, you gotta let your guys stop working, buddy. You gotta let them stop working. <laughs> 
Yeah, Jackson, I agree. He's he's, he's so so kind of smart. So yeah, uh, let's not give him too much credit. <laughs> so it's it's a uh, important to note. You mentioned the uh, with that show, there's rapid testing. There, like we talked about it, however many episodes ago, that Ticketmaster was going to implement their thing that you you had to have the vaccine to come to a show. Um, and you know, there's. I, I, I took that idea. We're going to require that at, at me and Kara's wedding. You have to you have to have proven that you've gotten the vaccine to get to our wedding. So uh, I don't feel bad about that at all. Um, but then, I mean, you, so you said summer, and there's a festival that was announced in Spain for next year called Resurrection Fest, which uh, is a very funny name <laughs> yeah, like, for the time. I hope they did that on purpose, but I know they didn't. It was an already existing festival. It's yeah. it's been around for for years, but it's a very funny name. Um but like Deftone, System of a Down and Corn are 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 headlining it. Dude, uh, I have tickets to Primavera Sound 2021 in Spain. I bought those at like the beginning of the pandemic thinking like, you know what? It'll be fine by then. I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean it's it's a weird thing. I think that um I think that it it will return. I think that it still will require people to just to just follow the fucking rules. Like just just please. It like you want to be here. We want to be here. Just just help us so we can all be yeah. here. It's 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 so simple. Yeah, if, if everybody just does it for the right reasons of keeping everybody else safe, it's really easy. Like it shouldn't yeah. be a hard thing to say. I will wear a mask so I don't get someone sick in case you're sick and you don't know it yet. They just won't. We're yeah. too no, far I know gone. They won't. Yeah, like the only thing that's saving us right now is the vaccine. That is the only fucking thing because, like I've said in previous episodes, the average person in public is not smart enough to do the right thing. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, we just have to hope it happens in time before it changes or mutates and something is different. It already started mutating and we're well, but still good with the vaccine to the degree where the vaccine wouldn't matter. Which I think that'd have to be a lot. We'd have to see this go on for a long time, but. Hopefully that doesn't happen. The only other thing I had for 2021 and just uh, speculation is, will there be less releases? This is something that has been across all industries. Like there's a lot of people thinking there's probably going to be a lot less video games coming out in 2021. If there's more stuff coming from Hollywood, they're thinking it's going to be stuff, you know, a lot of animation. But when it comes to music, I really don't see there being, you know, a slowdown in music. I think a lot of people have gotten busier in this time i think tv and film is the only industry that will stop or that that will that will be slower uh video games is a fair point to make but they have been succeeding just fine doing it from home for the past year and they're gonna now that they have their stride all the fucking all the all the companies that have been doing it they're they're just doing it better now like uh, there's a, a the the main game that i play apex legends that team switched to going from home immediately and it was slow at first but now they're like they're they're just killing it from home they're they're doing such a good job and if you're thinking uh, i'll stop video games in a second but for anybody who's thinking about cyberpunk as the as an example is the the whole the whole from home thing is a problem they were working on that video game for 10 years and it came out the way that it did still so that's more of an issue of like the 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 like the overlords of the company being like you have to release this game um in terms of music i don't think anything will happen because if anything this past year everybody's made their home studio setup i mean it, you know you don't need a studio anymore uh everybody has their home especially especially the people that we're probably thinking of um you know i mean take take let's take a look at the the so far the 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 top albums of the year for us Dawes, moses sumney and theo 
I mean, I think that if all of those people had a home studio or like a smaller studio space, I think that they could still release those albums. You know, I don't think anything would change there. Um, and I mean, there's already a lot of bands that have been in the studio this year who have been recording their albums for next year. So yeah, I think that that's a like solved problem how to record an album during yeah. a yeah. pandemic at this but point. Not not only that, the at least I know with uh, probably all three of those examples, I know for sure with Dawes, when they did their record, it was the band and the producer. Yeah. And that's it in the studio. Yeah. So if they're going to go in for two weeks to make their next record, which is already written, <laughs> and the ne- the one after that is written. So, you know, some people are, like Jackson mentioned, they're, they're being more productive. It's like they have time to do this stuff, and they're, they're not touring like they're used to. So it's like, what do you do? What's your purpose on this earth? You know, let's make more stuff. I think there will be more music. But I think it's really when you have the bigger artists, uh, you know, that have all the featured guests on their album, they may end up having to have less of that. But even that, it's like home studios are such a thing that it's uh, like, yeah. And I would I would bring up Jacob Collier here because for his uh, his album that came out this year, he ha- uh, so he recorded some of the guests before the shutdown, but then there were plenty of guests that were recorded after the shutdown, and he basically just like sent them like if they didn't already have logic on their computer he sent them a copy of logic and then had them download this thing where he could control their computer remotely and he was like and they would facetime and go okay plug the microphone in here do that all right cool now i'm gonna control your computer and he'd go with logic and he'd do all the stuff and then they'd record it just on facetime like that or on zoom and it's like if if you want to put in the effort which honestly isn't that much effort you can still have your features on your album yes it does lose a bit of that like personal level of like we're working together but like there's also that extra personal level of like we're figuring out how to do this apart together so i i, I don't i think that everybody can do music still apart if they really really want to yeah we're musicians are like cockroaches in that way it's it's nothing's going to change it <laughs> i mean like what a perfect way to segue into our last person <laughs> are we good to do that now just call adam a cockroach <laughs> yeah. i don't know what that was meant to be but Is this, I, I don't know it just sounded like a great way to segue i mean i, I was going to mention since we talked about Bandcamp fridays before um and you know what happened this year they're continuing to do that next year yeah and so i think that's good for everybody i mean they're not going to do it indefinitely so far that they've announced they're only doing it for the first half of the year but they still had like close to a million people buy music on those days specifically. So people got, you know, a higher percentage of that money. And that's great. I mean, that's nice to see, especially with everybody being largely collectively assholes all year. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, with that final so thought on that note, coming, <laughs> coming from what some may call the fourth member of this podcast, what was your favorite? <laughs> What was your favorite Adam of the Year album? So my my favorite Adam was uh, Glass Animals' uh, Dreamland, um, which was their their third album. Um, I mentioned it when it first came out earlier in the year. Um, It came out in August, so kind of midway through the pandemic part of the year. Um, And I first started listening to them in the last like year or two. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason this is my album of the year is I've, this is like their, um, I guess their album where it all kind of fits together, everything they've been trying to do and kind of comes together as one like cohesive vision. Um, and so that's, 
just nice to see after listening to those first two albums and liking bits and pieces of it and then seeing this kind of fully realized thing that they wanted to make put together on this album uh, it feels like a very like designed album in a way um that's lyrics are filled with a bunch of references that you know kind of reward you for repeat listening um not anything like super meaningful or um you know notable but just kind of fun references and things you pick up on more um the general like feel for the album is a little different from their other stuff too it's more influenced by hip-hop which i think i've also more gotten into hip-hop in the last year or so so i think that's another reason i found this album to be the one i kept going back to this year yeah and i just want to go ahead and say dave and i texted it about this but we both had the same reaction of i started listening to this and maybe a couple songs in i kept going back to our group chat and mm-hmm. was seeing like, damn, am I listening to the right album? Because there's, <laughs> like, this is not an Adam album. Like, it was just like, what? You? I was fucking blindsided, just I, totally. Absolutely. I was like, man. And then, uh, Adam, what made me really enjoy it was imagining you singing along to it and 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 uh, and dancing. It's a good visual. And that gave me a lot of joy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, you know, Dave, you mentioned to me that you were surprised by his pick. And uh, I get that. I, I was surprised that this is your pick of album of the year, especially because you were the last one to send your album pick. So I was definitely like, okay, so he yeah. really, he had a lot to consider here. But th- this, I mean, I, I think we all listen to a good amount of everything. And I think that, uh, Adam is always the one to surprise in the fact that he listens to, cause like I bring it up all the time, but like you liked trio scapes that weirds me out. That, that kind of yeah. freaks me out a little bit. Uh, like the most, the most like out of left field jazz metal nonsense band. I showed it to him one night after we left the bar and he was like, yeah, it's good. Like what? What? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, and I, I think to your point about there was, there were a lot of albums that I thought about, should this be what I, you know call an album of the year and it's it's definitely it was like a hard decision to make but then i just looked at like how many times have i listened to this album and it's way more than yeah. anything else i would i would dare say and I, this might be the wrong thing to say but this is what i thought on my listens to this album because i really enjoyed it and uh i thought it was great but i think that what what i finally came to is that this is if tame impala was good that's what I, this sounds I think like that's a- great description <laughs> got him so sorry to everybody else hot but take sorry this is this this album is if tame impala was good you know i'm i right before we recorded uh i did a little bit of research on it just basically read the wikipedia and i learned that like the lead singer wrote a lot of this music you know retrospectively on his life and that this is the first project that he's really felt comfortable doing that i think it was the last record where he wrote about other people that he knew and then kind of hinted towards it. And the drummer for the band got into a pretty bad accident. So he was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to do something that's, you know, more individualistic to get away from thinking about the fact that one of my bandmates is in a lot of trouble. And he produced the thing and really went into it. I wish I had known that before I listened to it because I would have tried to pay more attention to the lyrics. 
but it really is like you you this is a driving record i don't know why i keep coming back to that but like you could put no, this it definitely on and, is and that and just kind of weird that that is the case because i haven't driven much this year because there haven't been a lot going on but to be fair you don't drive a lot anyway generally yeah that's true but <laughs> dave i think that's a super important super important um litmus test for any any music any song is can i drive to this because that's what the general public is going to be doing when they listen to your music is they're going to be going in between the things that they want to do whether or not it's walking taking the subway or driving that is such an important litmus test that uh you take all that you know questioning why you keep thinking of that and throw it out the door your finger on the pulse there thanks yeah you're you're a critic now you've made it no finally Do I get something? Um, uh, you got bad on on Twitter and Instagram, maybe a lot of internet know. hate. Yeah, you're um, more yeah. You're, you're more of like an open dick now. Like we all accept that you're an asshole. You I'm on the way. I, I mean, I was destined for that. <laughs> yeah, but Adam, I mean, thank you for making us listen to something that I was considering was kind of out of left field for the four of us not that none of us would listen to this but it i mean this is a pop record there's way more to it i mean i i was completely shocked by it i mean i just yeah. it, it was i kept doing double takes during the whole time i was like damn am i listening to the right album well i i think again like i said it's it's largely i would uh, calling it you know my favorite album of the year because i've listened to it the most it's just that general yeah. feeling of the whole thing that's been good especially this year i guess yeah and it's, you know, other albums, It's they're great, but then I'm probably not going to listen to them as much. I think I'll probably listen to this a ton in the future still because I listen to their other music too, and I like, you know, certain parts of them, but this kind of just all fits together what they've been trying to do for, you know, two albums now. Yeah, it's your, your, uh, the wild card. I never thought I would say if I had to describe us, you know, in, in a movie, like what kind of character are we? Um, I would never describe Adam as the wild card. Of the yeah, that's week. supposed to be Jackson's role. Yeah, Jackson's the wild card. Yeah, no. What's the rest of our roles? Now do that. Now, now what? Now... Um, You're um... Miranda, and <laughs> <laughs> Dave is. Uh, I'm Carrie. like the, the the angry high school principal. Yeah, which golden girl are you, Adam? Uh, I don't know. To the the listeners at home, I'm shrugging. I don't know. <laughs> One of them's <laughs> got to be named Agnes, so just say Agnes. I don't think it is. That doesn't sound like <laughs> Golden Girls? I'm just fucking with y'all. Moving oh. on. Thank you, Adam, for being the wild card. It's really great to have you here, and I hope that you choose to come back. Remember, you can vote online on whether or not you want Adam to be on this show or not. There is, just like when they tried to kill uh, Robin in that DC comic, uh, Batman, and... They uh, killed him. Hold on. You they, can yeah, kill Adam yeah. if you want. Yeah, yeah what? They, that, they, no, Adam's not going anywhere. Batman? They did. They did, did you forget kill... what Batman was? <laughs> they did kill Robin in that. That was pretty great. Okay, can we talk about music? Yeah. Uh, so the, the, golden, the, podcast, the, golden, the golden girls are Dorothy, Rose, Blanche, and Sophia. I'm going to bleep all those out because I disagree <laughs> with that. Adam's trying to steer us in the right direction here. What's 2021 going to look like? For the podcast, do, do any of us know? It's going to be going. I mean, we're not stopping. I can't wait to do it in person again. That's but, true. But you know, we're just not going to do that until it's safe. I mean, we we could all sit outside, spaced really far apart, 
And just kind of, you know, yell at each other into microphones. But I don't know if that would be any fun. Just really hope the outside is nice to our sound quality. Yeah. Yeah, the the Denton train, (laughs) since uh, I I feel I'm going to get outvoted here and I'm going to have to drive to Denton to record. Oh, yeah, probably. Well, yeah, where would we sit outside in Dallas? I don't know. I have like a one foot by one foot backyard. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's yeah. not too small for uh, the giants that me and Dave are at all. <laughs> I think we're gonna start uh, that. You know, it may not be every single you know three weeks. This might not be our uh, release schedule for the whole year. But I think we like that idea of doing a topic episode and then have that topic episode tie into a deep dive and then have that deep dive tie into Hagen's new segment or uh, format of uh, music stories and. We've been already shooting uh, some ideas back and forth of, you know, what does that look like? So I think content-wise, that would probably be the biggest change. I mean, it's the same thing, but us being a little bit more methodical about it. And of course, you know, if, you know, something huge happens, we're going to talk about it. So we're not beholden to it. Right. Well, I think that this year showed we realized we didn't need to do a deep dive every other week. Which yeah. I know from some of our listeners who've told us this in person, they weren't a fan of that. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a selfish I, move on our end. Yeah, I think the big thing is for 2021, it's gonna get better, or at least it's not gonna get worse. And the podcast, really or just everything, really the podcast, oh, okay. the podcast, the podcast, and you really can count on us in the fact that we really enjoy doing it and. We only want it to get better. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think that this entire year we have, like, tiptoed around the idea as a group as, like, how to get more organized and, like you said, Jackson, methodical about the whole thing. I think we've kind of, we've, we've, we've talked more and more about, you know, how to make it more organized for us instead of just, like, you know, shooting the shit, which has always been fun to do. But, you know, it only benefits us and only benefits you guys as the listeners, I think, to have this kind of format. And, and, and you know, we ha- have some kind of outline of what we're supposed to be doing here. Otherwise, we're just going to, you know, keep doing the same shooting the shit thing, which is fun. But, you know, we can be better. We can, we can, we can always be better, everybody. I hope yeah. that we do, now that we have the capabilities we do for recording remotely, I hope we do more guests. I hope we get more audience interaction with episodes they might want to hear or you know just general openness and productiveness yeah so be looking forward to that i mean and it, it, it's very fluid we may come up with a great idea in our little you know gap between now and when we start up recording again for 2021 but we'll kind of wrap up the show with we're gonna talk about our honorable mentions uh records we didn't discuss but uh and we're not going to go in full detail like we did those other four but we're just going to mention some stuff that we think if uh you wanna if you trust our opinions you'll check it out and then after that we have one last thing before we end the show but i will go ahead and yield my time for the honorable mentions and i put out my feelers out there to the in the social medias and um got some uh listeners choices so uh uh number one top uh big fan olivia her album of the year uh and she gave me two technically and i'm gonna say them both so she said michael uh kiwanku's newest record uh technically was released in 2019 and she had a whole discussion with adam which i was gonna say if uh 
if if she didn't mention that, I was going to mention that as an honorable mention too because that was my favorite like thing I found this year. His that album, and it was a hundred percent going to be my favorite album of the year until I realized it was twenty nineteen. <laughs> Olivia, asked, how late she, into twenty nineteen? Right. Yeah, it was late in twenty nineteen, so it's qualifying for awards this year, which is kind of the confusing part when I was looking it up because it made some lists for favorite album of twenty twenty, but it didn't come out this year. So that was that's weird. She went ahead and gave me a 2020 pick, which was Black Puma's self-titled record, if you don't uh, count that 2019 record. So thank you, Olivia. Also, we got from Mario on Instagram, uh, Touche Amore's Lament, which I just listened to it today before we recorded, and that was the album release live stream I watched, and holy shit, this is like an amazing post-hardcore band that like I had never heard of, and this might be my new favorite thing, and I'm so glad I didn't have time to digest this album before we did this episode, because, like, wow, I would have been talking about it. It is so fucking good. So thank you, Mario, for giving me that. Thank and you, then, Mario. Last uh, listener's choice is going to be coming from Andrew on Instagram, a.k.a. I really liked his uh, handle, which was Dadbod Squad, which was <laughs> his, his album of the year was Run the Jewels Record, rtj4 so i didn't listen to that but i know i think all three of y'all did but thank you to all the listeners for sending in their albums of the year and uh giving us a little bit of perspective what y'all listen to yeah they could be some i would definitely say that run the jewels one would be a possible deep dive even even just their catalog yeah whoa well that sounds familiar Hagen already did that yeah well their catalog it wasn't i did the whole catalog i did yeah, the entire did the i did a mini deep yeah. dive and it's, you told me it was good it, you told me it was a good mini deep dive and now you're saying it's not good enough gotta do it, it was so good so i said it was Is good it not memorable bedtime? it was <laughs> dave's just saying it was so good we need to do the remake of it it's oh, already, okay, yeah, already yeah, that yeah. time it's director's remix. cut the it remix. deserves more the it does deserve more it does uh, Y'all give so, us some honorable mentions. So uh, I'm going to do like just like mini soapboxes for these because uh, it's hard to not. So um, Briston Maroney and Wallows, I've mentioned both of those before. They were my fucking quarantine soundtrack. Uh, both from the stuff they've released last year and the years before, especially Wallows' album from last year. But Wallows released another album this year. And then Briston did uh, an EP and two singles this year. And um, holy shit, perfect indie pop rock shit uh i'm gonna do a, a piggyback on run the jewels and because of my mini deep dive and because of that that's not a real mention I was, it's hard for me to not mention it um, shout out to the dad bot squad shout out to dad bot squad um <laughs> uh i think this is the best pop album of the year dua lipa's album future nostalgia fucking great album it's that is an record. honorable mention so it's it, it's just perfect in, in terms of pop music so now i, I i'm being a little self-indulgent but it's time I, I can be. We're doing honorable mentions. I'm allowed to do it. And I will honorable mention slash shout out all of the releases that I've been a part of this year. Before I really get into it, we had a discussion about if I was gonna if, if we were going to mention the Moniker EP, if we were going to say the Moniker EP Imaginary Friend. And Dave didn't want anyone in the band to say it, so he asked Adam to say Imaginary Friend. But then we found out Adam hasn't listened to our band's release this year. One of our co-hosts, <laughs> our fucking co-host. <laughs> Yeah, said I didn't more. listen you, to it. You know, you know, it's been a busy year. It hasn't. <laughs> you got married, but other than that, 
Yeah, at Butter House. That's those are pretty busy. <laughs> that's things. true. That's really oh, important. That's true. That's really important. But uh, I still should have listened to it. And so it's as only soon fifteen as we're minutes done, long. I'm gonna go listen to it. I've okay. I've definitely heard all the songs though, and I know they're all great. But haven't listened to the studio albums at all, so I don't know how different they are. Well, we tried our best. But I bought it on a Bandcamp Friday. So hey, there you go. I think, or maybe when it came out, I don't remember. But I think you got it Valentine's when it came Day. out, which was in February. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give Adam the benefit of the doubt here because he has bought the record. He has supported us by coming out to the uh, little shows have we shirt. have and shows before that. He definitely supports us. It's yeah, just yeah. hilarious it just, that he hasn't listened to it. It was so funny. Dave was like, I don't want someone in the band to mention it. Adam, will you do it? I haven't listened to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't even fake it for us. He couldn't even be like, yeah, I got it for you. I'll do that. So uh, I was a, so Moniker obviously released Imaginary Friend this year. Uh, my band Samus David Jr. released Intimacy, The Eldritch Horror. Hate that, I hate that EP name so much. I'm super proud of those songns. Um, a band called Matthew Neary and See that I'm a part of. We released an EP that I am insanely proud of uh, called But Dot 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 Who Are You Now? Um, very proud of that. And we have some new stuff that's coming out very soon as well. Um, and then uh, the, Static, the Static Creatures, another band I was part of, we released two singles this year. So Well, and, and Neil Ryan. Oh, right. Neil Ryan and the Mistreated, another band that me and Dave are a part of, released an EP. Um, so, yeah, there we go. I was self-indulgent. Go listen to my music now. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I just want to mention um, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. They released their album Reunions. It's really good. And uh, Mike Viola, uh, who I've mentioned before on the show, he mentioned or he released a a record last week called God Muffin, and it's it's really good. I found out he was the guy that wrote the song that thing you do for the for that movie. Oh, he wrote that song. Interesting. So, if you like that song, you'll maybe like the rest of his stuff. <laughs> he was also on a Wolfpack song. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's very true. He has a great voice. He sounds like uh, late '70s Rod Stewart. Hey, Adam, what have you been listening to that hasn't been the moniker "Imaginary Friend" EP, <laughs> which um, is available now? Well, one that I did have on my honorable mentions was uh, Diner's album "Lose Your World." I thought that album was great. Um, we've, you know, talked about it on the show before. I think when it came out, we talked about it at least the week it came out, maybe the week after. That album's great. It's a nice, um, like, lighthearted album for the year. Yeah, it's positive, which was yeah. great. And then uh, I was surprised to find that both of the albums Taylor Swift put out this year, I enjoyed a lot, and I didn't think I would have. So I think if people are writing her music off, for what it you know what you may have heard before Go keep check them out. it off and adam continues with the surprises Holy wild card shit don't worry adam, i'm with you adam grab that, I, no I, grab jackson that whiskey knows let's why. Do, you're doing a shot adam grab that ja- whiskey. jackson knows why i listen to these albums an album it's so fuck i just called you album god damn <laughs> <laughs> what sucks about that that was a fucking bit oh my god i should have leaned into it but i couldn't let myself i'm so sorry adam um but I was talking with my my girlfriend's sister is super into Taylor Swift, and I mentioned to my girlfriend because we're both huge national fans. And uh, I mentioned, I, I looked at her and I said, "Hey, what do you think the Nationals' most played song on Spotify is right now, or most popular song on Spotify is right now?" And she started listing off national songs, and I was like, "Nope, 
It's the one that's on the uh, Folklore album. And man, she lost her shit. She was so mad. And then her sister in the corner of the kitchen said, well, that's how I discovered them. And I was sitting there. I was like, man, this is such a positive thing. This amazing band, The National. Now you have this person who would have probably never uh, heard of them. Now she knows them, and now she listens to them. Meanwhile, right. my girlfriend's freaking out. Well, and, like, I mean, wait, it wasn't this? It wasn't... Fuck. <laughs> I mean, they were never... I mean, they're not a small band, but they were never, like, the biggest band around yeah. on the same scale that Taylor Swift is, obviously. So it, it's kind of great that people are going to discover their music through that. It's great to see the Desners get work like this. And, you know, I mean, Justin Vernon from Bon Iver has been yeah. getting work like this forever. Yeah. But I swear, like, seeing the National get to work with such, like, on that big of a stage, I'm, I'm just nothing but positive thoughts. And, uh, and James Blake, too. Yeah, him having he he did some work on some Beyonce music and stuff like that. It's a really cool thing to do. I think I think that the the, the Taylor Swift albums are such like a they're such like a hot button point, and uh, they're they're they've done so much positivity this year. So it, it's hard for you know anyone to it's hard for a, a negative opinion to like really like. I don't know. It, it, it's it's almost bad to have a negative opinion, I guess, about this album, about those albums. It's, it's not it's not hard for me. I would say try to write some more interesting chord progressions, or at least well, do some inversions or something. Like, it's so I don't on even the nose. I, don't, I don't I don't think I don't think I don't. Yeah, I think the inversions or just like writing a song is just. It, I think that that's that's the tricky part is that like a lot of it just felt. Yeah, it was very on the nose. But I will say that the positivity of the of those albums what they did for people it reminded me of uh on a larger scale whenever fiona apple's album came out this year and the positivity that you saw from like a lot of people just being so stoked on a fucking release uh that was a really cool thing to see from these and especially with them being quote-unquote surprise releases um uh, that was also a really cool thing yeah i'll really give uh taylor swift credit where credit is due i think she is like my like Dave Roll of the pop world, and what I mean by that is, like, I don't like her music, but wow, I re- respect the shit out of her. Like, she right. seems like such a really cool person for so many reasons, and I was just even, like, I heard this story, because right, right now, uh, because she doesn't have the rights to a lot of her records, she is re-recording those songs, and it's funny, I heard this story, it may be anecdotal, or it may have been reported on, but I would be shocked if it wasn't true, People are wanting to be on her good side because they think that's the way it's going. So there will be somebody who's like, hey, I'd like to use, you know, whatever blank space. Uh, I think that's one of her songs, but they, it is. they're like, I want to use that in one of our, uh, you know, commercials coming up. Can you re-record that now? Uh, like if you're not already, if you haven't already done it, can you do that? And so she'll re-record it and send them that. I was just like, yeah. what? That's fucking great. That's so that's cool. very cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And she has done stuff like that in the past. For she's already she's always been somewhat of a, a cool artist in that way. I mean, she took all of her music off Spotify in the way that should have been done with you know Lars and Napster, where it's like, I don't want this on here because I'm doing this for the smaller artists that are getting fucked by this company. Yeah, and even if it didn't work out, it was such like it, it was still such like a a good yeah, try like though. Great yeah. move. Yeah. So like I respect the shit out of her, even if it's not music that I typically would like. So moving on into our last album, we decided we should uh, pick an album, the four of us, that we all loved. And I don't know who wants to take it, but I know it's not me. I'll start with uh, with saying that this album, um, 
I the first time I heard it, I turned it off because I was like, no, nah, I don't like it. I'll start. I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and and at least kind of say something about this that we. I, I think this is a true statement when I say that we all discovered this person at the exact same time, which is a very incredible thing. We all saw Namdi play. Yeah, yeah, we all saw Namdi play at South by Southwest, and it's only because. Uh, everyone who listened to the Metallica episodes heard uh, my dear friend Alex, uh, and we were there to see Alex's band play at uh, at a, a showcase, and Nambi's band played before Alex's band on the outside stage, and we were all like, what the fuck? And then we Just went and saw Nambi again. Crazy, yeah. awesome live show. Yeah. Yeah, and we uh, all saw him like three times that South By, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And by, by the end of the by the end of that week, we were just like talking to the guys in the band, just like, yeah. "Oh, dude, great set! I love your setup." Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so uh, if it's not already assumed, Nambi's album "Brat" is our uh, collective album of the year. Uh, what a fucking album it is! Um, and I think, aside from the music, my favorite part of the album is that. I got my fiance obsessed with this fucking album. She <laughs> she became more obsessed with it than I was after because I, I I burnt it out because it was I just wouldn't stop. I couldn't stop listening to it, and I burnt it out. And she kept listening to it. So even when I burnt it out, it was still there, and I still wasn't upset because it's a good fucking album. It's so fucking good. I think I'm on the cut. I'm on yeah. the cusp of that because I uh, like I said I didn't like it the first time I heard it, and I spoke earlier about like digging sinking your teeth into a record and giving it more time to sit in. Like settle in, sorry, and I think that's where I'm at right now. I've listened to it. I think I'm on my third time, and going into 2021, I think that's going to be a big album for me. Yeah, you know, you know how I talked about I picked the album that I picked because I listened to it the most. I listened to this album more, and that was would have been my pick <laughs> otherwise. Because like like Hagen, like I listened to this a ton when it came out. Yeah, I mean it's, yeah. it's still an awesome album, but like I definitely burned through it very early and having it. Yeah, it's one of those albums that when I got it, I listened to it a ton. And then, you know, of course, you burn yourself out in the short term. And then I came back to it a couple months later. and I was like, holy shit, this still it hits hard. And I think for me, what made it so big is when we saw Namdi uh, at South by it was this live band setup. So I was like, wow, that band was great. And then on the drive home from Austin back to Denton, I listened to his record that he had out at the time, Drool, and it was just strictly like electronic. It was way more hip hop. It was good, but you had these two different things where I was like, it's really cool that he has this. They were the same songs, by the way, that he was playing. It was really cool that he had this live set that was like a full rock band. And then you had the record, which was a completely different thing, same songs. And then what I think this album did was really bridge those two together. And it has those hip hop elements and more electronic elements, but it is still like, this is way closer to that live band I saw at South by. And that, if I had to pick the two, that was what I was, you know, more into. So I was so happy to hear this album. Right. And this would be the album to recommend to people to listen to versus his previous album which while it's really great and i mean i i bought it when we were there because i didn't know it sounded different even even i thought you know maybe this is how they always sound with the live band and everything but that's not the case and the album is still great on its own but it's totally like different to see this album be basically a you know a, a merge between the two yeah. types of music this is this is seriously a merge between like a great a great live band and great hip hop music. There are songs that have like 
amazing like hip hop style beats and feels to them. Uh, and then there's on top of that, this like kind of, I mean, there's always, there's always a great melody or something vocally that is guiding you. Namdi never lets that ever slip away from your listening experience. Uh, but then whenever like a full instrumentation comes in, that's, that feels like a band, my favorite a song on the album. And it's the best reward is the last song. It's salute. That is my favorite song on the album by far. And it's not that the rest of the album is bad because the rest of the album is great, but it's like you get through this album and then Salute comes on and it's like, this is the most beautiful fucking thing I could have ever asked for. There's a, yeah. that, That's a song I mentioned with a Theo song. I hear that song and I always kind of like start to cry a little bit. When Salute comes on, I, w- I will always smile. It always makes me just like have this immediate just... I feel better. I feel so much better, especially after listening to this entire album that's amazing for all of, all these different reasons. And then Salute comes on. And Salute is basically just one note. It's basically just the guitar going ding, 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 the entire time. And it just feels so good. Yeah, you know, I really think uh, you could... I hate to pigeonhole an artist like Namdi, but it's almost like like a prog trap record yeah you know uh, but i do think that every time i hear songs from this record i think how how did he come up with this you know yeah. uh, from for yeah, me there, as, a, a, lot as of a listener that comes off that way it's just it sounds crazy like i want to ask him how did he like how what was his writing process what what did he start with? Did he start with a beat? Did he start with a melody line? It's all so intriguing. Yeah. But it yeah. but it's so it's so it just it's so cohesive. It fits really well. I don't understand it. It's like <laughs> Yeah, I'd be I, I'm really interested to see what he does next. And, you know, part of me when I listened to this album, I was like, This is like he's cut his uh hole in, you know, the music industry. He's found his niche. This is what he needs to be doing. And then of course, uh with 2020 being what it is he's released so much music uh between this release and now he even released this album crazy carl which is just like i think he described it as like looney tunes music and that's completely accurate yeah it's it's a pretty fun little like uh, is it actually an album or is it an ep i guess yeah tomato potato to me but it's a shorter album and it's 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 a lot of fun and it it makes sense that it came from you know the same guy who did this album but this album is just incredible yeah, so the guy is just like, as soon as I think like, oh, he's found where he's going to sit, he completely is like, no, I'm on to the next thing. You got to catch yeah. up with me. He's very much one of those guys where I'm like, damn, I know where, like, I'm with Namdi at this point. And it's like, he's on to the next thing and yeah. on to the next thing, which I would have never fathomed. And then once I'm on to that, he's on to the new thing. It's super cool to be playing catch up with someone like that. And one, one cool thing, I read an NPR interview he did with uh for, he did for NP, NPR. He talked about the record, and he said that at some point he decided to just abandon any side jobs and become a full time musician. And he talked about how like it was kind of hard for him to do that to feel selfish in a way because he wants to you know take care of his family and stuff like that. So uh, he mentioned the song Glass Casket. Uh, I had heard that song before reading that interview, and then after reading the interview, I re like re listened to it, and it like. You know, maybe like salute Hagen. It kind of just hit home in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Such a good album. Thank if you, Nam. If you have the chance, see him live. Yeah, that's a that's a very very true thing. Whenever live music happens again, go see Namdi if you can. 
Yeah. So it, as far as I'm concerned, that's 2020 in the bag. It, we're done with it. Me and Dave had, had talked about uh, uh, we're going to do it, I think. we. I, mean, I, I didn't check with him, but it's easy for us to do. We're going to put together a Spotify playlist for all this stuff. Um, so we'll put that up, um, and we'll make sure that everybody can go get at least a taste of some of these, uh, top albums and we'll, we might include honor- honorable mentions. We'll see. Um, but we'll put something together so everybody can get a taste of the don't feed the artist top albums of the year. Um, and thank you for the listeners letting us know what their top albums were. Yeah. Yes. It was really good to see those, uh, responses. Even if I didn't mention yours, like it was really fun seeing those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thank, thanks. Thanks to the listeners for this year. I mean, that's a, a, this, this year, uh, you know, we would have done this even if we didn't have listeners, but we appreciate and we really, really thank all the listeners for just being here and, um, you know, letting us do what we do. We want to thank Alex and Olivia for being guests this year. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool new frontier for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, while we're all trying to figure out all this stuff, it's great to have these fun people on. So uh, does anybody have anything else they want to say before I take us out of here? I just want to ask Dave, is the thing you miss most about recording in person that uh, when you're not talking, you could look at the little microphone cover I put on your <laughs> microphone and pick the cat hair out of it? Uh, you know, after this year, when I when we get back to recording in person and I see a cat hair on the microphone, I'm just going to wink at it and go, you go, kid. <laughs> then you're going to lick it. Uh, no. Fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> lick the cat hair. Get out of here. Get us out of here. If we didn't make it clear, we're going to take a little bit of time off. We don't know yeah, exactly yeah. what that is. Two weeks, four weeks. Uh, we don't I know. Would say but we'll be Probably back. a shorter break than we've then, normally had. Uh, yeah, we'll take a week. We'll take I'm a claiming week. We'll, a week. We'll take a week or two, I would say. So, um, again, thank you all to, uh, for, for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, if you don't already press the follow subscribe button on whatever app you're using, go follow us on social media, hit the follow button, hit the like button, send us a message. Tell us, uh, what you think about, you know, what we've done this year. If you have suggestions for deep dives or music stories for us to cover, let us know if there's topics that you think that we should cover next year, let us know. Um, if you know, if you follow any of us individually on Instagram, don't ever hesitate to just, or like text us, you know, message us directly if you'd like. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Wait, before we wrap up, can when you say the last thing, can the three of us try to say the response at the same time? Can we try that? A, I'll, you're I'll link have to it edit, up. but yeah, okay, let's do it. We're gonna try to do it like the actual video. Okay, so oh, hold we, on, I need, I need to go study the video. Hold on, he uh, no, was... Adam, just get really drunk and then you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, Adam, do a bunch of shots. Yeah. Um, okay, so again, thank you all so much for being here, and fuck off. Give me a towel. <laughs> that was horrible, Adam. <laughs>